How much do you ever hear about Miriam in the Old Testament? Well, stay with us today. We're going to talk about Miriam, and I think you will find it interesting. Welcome to All Things Apostolic. I'm Dr. Nathaniel Wilson, and I am glad to be with you on this Thursday, which is October the 5th, 2023. This is, I mentioned this the other day, but it's just hard for me to grasp how quick this year has gone by. Uh, <clears throat> the redeeming part of that is it's been a very, very productive year, and there are some productive things that are still going to happen before the end of the year that we're very excited about and very grateful for the anointing and uh, enablement of the Holy Ghost, God helping us and God with us that is causing these things to happen. So, this is uh, this is an exciting, very exciting time to be in the work of the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> Monday, I'm going to try to show you, actually show you the improvements and so forth that have been made here. Uh, we've doubled our space here at Wilson University, and uh, and the new space, of course, is all new, and all the carpets new, and the walls and the paint and the. Uh, everything. So this is uh, the lighting. So this is exciting for us as we're moving forward. And next week, as I have mentioned, we need your prayers. Next week, um, the site visit team from the uh, Western Accrediting Association that accredits uh, schools and colleges uh, on the West Coast, actually, actually that's changed. They can do it anywhere anymore, but that's how it's been for years. And uh, they come for their second site visit. We're excited about that. Usually to get accreditation takes two or three or sometimes four um, uh, visits to work through the process. So we feel very good about this. As I mentioned uh, the other day also, uh, there are about 40 uh, clumps <laughs> of criteria that you have to pass in quarter, uh, uh, in, in order to be accredited. And uh, in each of those 40, there are many, 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 many things. So it's really several hundreds of things that have to, criteria that has to be met. And uh, so in the first visit, we, we actually met the criteria for 24 of the 40, which is, uh, <clears throat> pretty exciting. So in this one, when they come back, they're not doing the whole 40, the 24. They said, that's that's done. We're just going to look at the 16. So uh, we've worked very hard on the 16. I've talked to the president or rather to the chairman of the site visit committee. And um, <clears throat> they have sent me list of very a high degree of specificity of, of what we want to make sure we've got ready. And we think we've got it ready. So you never know when they get here, it may be that they find things that you just did not anticipate, but uh, we think we're going to be ready and we're excited for them to come. That's uh, next week. That's next 
Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So we'll keep you abreast of, of that and, uh, and what's going on. And we appreciate your prayers, your concern, many of you, your support. Uh, uh, in the apostolic movement, there's oftentimes a lack of understanding how uh, universities grow. Um, you know, the assumption is, is that people pay for their courses and that that's what keeps the school operating. Well, certainly that's a, a part of it, a very significant part of it. Uh, however, there is probably no university that operates off of uh, tuition alone. It, they just wouldn't make it. The tuition would have to go up so high that nobody could be going to their school. Uh, so you have to have people that understand school as a mission. That a university is a key mission in the apostolic movement in providing of uh, the spiritual sustenance, directions, theological foundations, uh, leadership, uh, dynamic training. Uh, so when people come out, they actually are qualified to do their jobs. One of the things that uh, that Wask wants to know is when your people come out, can they get jobs? Because they're thinking secularly. Uh, but in our case, most people that come out are work. Our criteria is are they able to do the work of God? And are they able, if they're a pastor, are they able to pastor their church uh, very much more effectively than they did before they came? And if they're preparing to go into ministry, then is there, how does their preparation compare to others? And how does their preparation uh, equip them to get into ministry in a more powerful and effective manner? So all of these things are part and parcel of what goes on to cause that to happen uh, there's there are people who are it's like part of their missions they they give a, a, an offering every month to the school because they they know that it is a mission and some give significant amounts of money we have we have uh, four or five donors that are have give significant very significant amounts of money and um, and it helps so the the basic I don't want to get off in all this and <clears throat> and and stay on it all day to day, but um, the basic um, metric is for every dollar that comes in in tuition, there should be a minimum of 20 cents that comes in from other sources. And so that means that 20% of the uh, operational funding of the university should be coming from donors and from people who see it as a mission uh, that is worthy of support. So um, we have been at the 20% mark the last several years. This year, we are at the CPA just told me this two days ago, that we are at the um, 40% level. So this is good. This is good, and it needs to be much, much higher to really get to where you want to go and accomplish what you want to accomplish and being a blessing. You need to get it higher. So we're working on all that, and uh, that's what's going on around here. So Monday, I'll try to show you the, the facilities, and you'll actually be able to see uh, what's happening. And, uh, and we always welcome people to come and visit. If you're coming through Sacramento, we will welcome you to come, and uh, we would we would show you through the school, answer any questions you have. Um, it doesn't mean you're coming to school here. If you are, that's great. But uh, 
It just means that you're interested and want to know what's going on. And we would be happy to provide that for you. Amen. So, so uh, one of the things in the school is, is that we equally train uh, men or women. We train them to do ministry in the kingdom of God. So uh, like when you go to the Old Testament, you, you, you don't often hear um, uh, the biblical writings referring to the daughters of Israel. Now, there are some places where it happens, but um, in Scripture, it's, it's a, almost always sons, the, like the sons of God or the sons of Abraham, or on and on. And um, oftentimes it means sons and daughters, even though uh, the masculine term is used, the meaning is humankind, sons and daughters, uh, even though that's not always mentioned. So in the training here at the school, we train men and women equally. And uh, somebody says, well, how, how, how can that be? Um, when it doesn't seem quite biblical to us. Well, it seems very biblical to us. However, with the coming of the Holy Ghost, revelation, anointed revelation, comes to every believer. That was the plan and purpose of God. When, when, uh, when Moses anointed the 70, and uh, along with Joshua, um, there were two of them that were not there two of the 70. And yet when the anointing of Moses came on the 70, they prophesied and the two that weren't there also prophesied wherever they were and word got back. And so Joshua said to Moses, he said, uh, uh, Moses, these men were not here for the meeting, but they are prophesying. And Moses made a prophetic statement because he, uh, uh, Joshua was saying it for the sake of Moses, trying to protect Moses. But, but Moses says, would to God that everyone prophesied. So it was a prophecy. It was a prophecy of the coming of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And, uh, and in a future fulfillment, it will come upon all of Israel. So people say, well, do you believe that there's two kingdoms of God coming, one Israel and one the church? Absolutely not. But the same Holy Ghost that came on the church is the Holy Ghost that's originally prophesied to Israel, and they will receive it, and they will be in spirit. There will be one family of God. Anyway, so, um, however, there is an interesting, there is an interesting prophecy of Joel, where Joel prophesied that in the last days, your sons and your daughters would prophesy. And then he also said, your servants and handmaidens shall prophesy. So you've got male, female in both of those. Handmaidens actually, uh, obviously is women and uh, sons and daughters will prophesy. The spirit's going to come upon sons and daughters. And uh, there's different treatments now that I've seen through the years in different churches uh, about women being involved in ministry. And uh, in some churches, women are not allowed to speak uh, 
or in others, they're allowed to speak, but not allowed to maybe come on the platform. Uh, I've preached in churches like that, or some that uh, they may be allowed to testify out in the congregation, but they, but they don't believe in women preachers, or they may be allowed to be using the gifts of the Spirit, like the Spirit of God will come upon them in tongues and interpretation, or some other gift uh, would come upon them. But with even though that's true, they would not be allowed to teach or to preach. And we know uh, today there's just been a big deal in the Southern Baptist Church about uh, at Saddleback down in Southern California, uh, where Rick Warren was pastor, they the church is one of the largest in the in the world, and um, but they had women in ministry there, and they had women in pastoral roles there. Even though the Southern Baptists said we don't have women preachers, we don't believe in women preachers, we don't believe it's scriptural, and so but he felt like it was scriptural. So they had a big meeting, and um, he actually left the fellowship of the Southern Baptists in disagreement with. Uh, their stand against women uh, preachers. Uh, and then another big church also left the Southern Baptists as a result of that. So you can you can see here that this has this has gone on for a long time. Uh, now there are people that are apostolic or Pentecostal people who have also adopted the stance that against women preachers and um, um, some people feel like that actually comes from a transfer of Baptist background, but uh, be that as it may, the the fact of the matter is, is that there are numerous examples in New Testament times of leadership of women, uh, including prophesying which is the same anointing, I think everybody would agree, as anointed preaching. Anointed prophesying is the same uh, anointing as anointed preaching and can actually be the same thing at times. Uh, the, to, it's, it's the uttering uh, understandable words under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And... <clears throat> So when he said your sons and daughters should prophesy in the New Testament, we do find prophetesses. Uh, we do find people that are identified as such. And, uh, and we find people prophesying that may not have been identified as a prophet, but, but are prophesying like Mary, the mother of Jesus. Or Elizabeth, perhaps, and numerous others. So our purpose is not in to get into that, but... Um, but when we look in the Old Testament, there's some interesting things in the Old Testament. Uh, there are few people in the Old Testament that is more prominent than Miriam, who is the sister of Moses and of Aaron. And Miriam, Miriam also can be translated Mary, which was a very rare Old Testament name. It wasn't rare in the New Testament, of course, but in the Old Testament, it was a, it was a rare name. And um, uh, being the older sister of Moses and Aaron, she was probably about nine years older than Aaron and probably 13 years older than Moses. And <clears throat> uh, her name in Old Testament times, while it was rare, 
she was not rare. She was very prominent. And also, um, uh, women in the Old Testament were usually wives or mothers. But with Miriam, it's pretty unique in that she is identified as neither, having neither husband or children. Now, it doesn't say she didn't have them, but it doesn't ever identify them or doesn't ever discuss them. Instead, Scripture identifies her as a prophet in Exodus 15, and she is also clearly identified as an anointed leader, and she was also the worship leader coming out of the Red Sea when Israel was delivered from the Egyptian army. Uh, she's, she's, she's the person there that is leading. And so you can find Miriam as a leader in the Old Testament on the, on the stage with Moses, which is pretty profound. Uh, she is there. There's only four women identified in the Old Testament as, uh, as a prophet. It, and she is one of those. And she is the, in Jewish writings, extra biblical Jew, Jewish writings, uh, they also discuss her as the only woman in the Old Testament who had access to uh, a specific revelation on a level that others did not, except that men did, men prophets did. And so there's, um, and there's other extra biblical Jewish literature that identifies her as having had a dream of the birth of Moses and of the significance uh, of his life prior to the reality of his birth. So this also indicates that she was in um, the, Mo the life of Moses from his birth till her death, that the entire time she played a particular role. And uh, she also learned that even if your baby brother is your baby brother, if he's the anointed of God to be the leader, you don't cross him because she did at one point over family issues. And, um, and uh, the judgment came on her uh, almost immediately of leprosy. And uh, unless Moses would have prayed for the leprosy to leave, it would have never left. But he prayed and she got herself straightened out and continued forward. So, um, so Mo, this, is, this is an interesting thing that this family, these three children of this family, what kind of people was Amram and Jochebed that they would produce a Miriam, uh, who was evidently very devout before Moses was ever born, and Aaron and Moses, and that they become such tremendous deliverers in the Old Testament. So when you're talking about Wilson University, we're, re we're here to train. Who, who knows who God's going to use and who knows how he's going to use them? So we're training everybody.